I would like to welcome up the one and only Mr. Nick Mayo. Yes. Where are you at? Thank you. Thank you. So I, uh, hey, what up? So last week I was dealing with uh, some sickness, and this week my voice is going in and out. And I looked at Emily before worship, and I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do much singing tonight. I'm going to try and, like, save the voice. And then I was there like, Jesus! And it was just, uh, so. I was like, his grace has me. Come on now. Hey, I want to, before I get into uh, tonight, and I'm going to, I just feel a lot burning inside of me that I want to share with you guys tonight. Um, before we go too far, I want to want to take a second and say all of my current students, if you guys could stand up, I just want to recognize you guys. Uh, so these guys, yes, give them a hand. Beautiful group of young adults. Yeah, Mikey back here. Look at Mikey back there. Hey, Mike, you're wearing 52. That's my favorite number. No joke. Huh? Is there an inside joke? Anyway, 52. 52 is the best. There's 52 cards in a deck, 52 weeks in a year, right? Five plus two is seven, which is my second favorite number. It's just awesome. So, uh, Mike, you're my favorite tonight. Um, oh, you guys could say, I didn't realize you guys were all standing, still standing up. Not my favorite disciple, just my favorite. That's it, okay? So all you guys are my favorite disciples. Uh, any of my, my previous students, if you guys could, could stand up. <laughs> Nyla was still going to, yes. Alec. Yes. I wanted to, to recognize these guys and just say, um, if you didn't know, we have something called a discipleship program here, and that's what I get to head up. I get to walk with these guys. And um, we've had it going for the last two years which is absolutely incredible. This is the third class that we've gone through. We're going to be opening up registration um, in the next month or, or two. Uh, so, yeah, Ricky's telling you to join it. What it is, real quick plug, um, what it is is it's a, a nine-month program. It's an intensive to where these guys are, are coming in on Mondays and learning from myself, learning from Pastor Jake, learning from other pastors on staff. We bring in guest speakers, and, uh, and we take a, a full day and really just dive into the Word of God. We dive into the, the practices that we find in Scripture and really look at what does it look like to be a disciple of Christ, right? Because Jesus didn't come to make believers, right? He didn't come to, uh, to get a bunch of Christians. He actually came to make disciples, right? Matthew 28, Great Commission, just says, go into all the world and make disciples. Make disciples. Continues on, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. Dallas Willard calls that last bit, teaching them to do everything I have commanded, the great omission from the great commission. Because typically when we talk about Christianity, we don't typically talk about the, the discipleship side of things. Right? We, sometimes, the, I'm not saying we as in is res life, but we as in the corporate church have sometimes watered it down and made it a very easy gospel to, to swallow. And it is an easy gospel to receive, but then there's something that is required from us. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves 
It's a weird way to kick off tonight. Yeah, come, die to yourself. But it's actually like, for some people they go, that's a difficult thing to hear. But the difficult thing is actually the life that we live before dying to ourself. We actually find out that when we disciple under Christ, when we apprentice under Christ, when we walk alongside him, we actually yoke up to him and our life actually becomes that much more congruent. It requires stuff of us, but at the same time, it makes a peaceful life. It makes for a joyful life. It makes for a loving life. It makes for a life full of love. It makes for a life full of joy. Our discipleship group laughs more than anything else. I'm I'm serious. We have fun. Dying to yourself can be fun. It's strange. So... All my discipleship group is like laughing. Everyone else is like... Okay, don't know if I'm drinking that Kool-Aid. <laughs> There's no Kool-Aid, uh, but I, I hope that you would consider uh, when registration opens that you would uh, take a look at it for anybody that doesn't know where you're just sitting there and you're going, I don't know what's next for me in life. I don't know, or I've been wanting to do this whole Christian thing, but I, I keep finding myself doing the same thing over and over and over again. Those are the types of things that we talk about. We dive into the purpose and destiny and identity in the kingdom and the power of the kingdom and all the great things. So uh, if you guys have any questions, you can find myself or uh, Melanie who's probably in the back of you. Yeah, she's waving her hand over there. Uh, Melanie is, is our uh, um, ministry associate with uh, the program. Or, is, it, is that your title? <laughs> I said it, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But anyway, she helps out, so if you, you find one of us, we can clue you in. Um, okay, timer's already going, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then I, I have something to deliver before we jump into the message. And Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you. God, we thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing in this place tonight. Your presence is thick. Can anyone agree with that? You guys feel his presence in this place tonight? Father, we just recognize you. We turn our hearts to you. We rejoice in you. We focus on you. It's all about you. Somebody's phone is having trouble hearing us. So God, if you would just speak a little louder. No, Father, we just, we just thank you for tonight, God. I pray that all my words would just fall away and that the only thing that would stick tonight would be your words, your truth, your life. Father, we love you. We love you, we love you, we love you. We praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've, I've, I'm going to go into this part pretty quick because I, I have a, a teaching today that that's, I'm going to hopefully give you some real, real good nuts and bolts uh, that's going to hopefully help to transform um, the structure of your life. Um, over the last year, and really over the last six months, I've had just this, this burning desire in my heart. <coughs> I don't know if that's the best way of saying it. Um, there's been a, a word that God's been giving me for our generation. And, and I've shared it with, with multiple people and, and I've found uh, confirmation in a, a ton of different people and specifically I've seen a confirmation in the students that I get to walk with. And it's that 2020 
is going to be a year of transformation. And, and that can kind of sound like, a, oh, yeah, everyone, every, every year somebody's going to get up and go, yeah, this is going to be a year of transformation. But it's a specific transformation that I, I've been seeing and feeling. And, and I, I'm going to say this, and this could come with some strange thoughts with it. So I'm going to hopefully try and divert you from going straight to those thoughts. But I, I truly believe that there's, within our generation, within 18, even, even younger teenagers, 13 to, to like 35, is a new holiness movement. And it's not a holier-than-now movement. That's not what it is. But it's a set-aside movement where our generation is going to rise up to set ourselves aside for Christ because we're sick and tired of seeing the way that the world seems to persevere in different areas and we're so hungry for a move of God. We're so hungry for the kingdom to come. And I know that you guys are here seeing it with me. How many of you guys can say that you see the kingdom on the horizon and if you can't see it, I'm inviting you to see it with us. But one of the big things that God's been speaking to me, and search this out in Scripture, please, 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 is that in our lives as our generation, we haven't built the platform for the kingdom to rest on yet. And if God moved in the way he wants to move, it would actually destroy us because we haven't readied ourselves as his bride. Yes. I'm sorry for yelling. I'm really passionate. And apparently, I just don't even care about my voice anymore. I, I, I sat down with our, our students on Monday, and we just got back from two weeks off. And I, like, they, they're very familiar with this tone in me because being sick last week, I was... I had a, a flu spike fever of 104 with a double ear infection, so I was laid out, just like that, laid out. And I was, I was watching, there's an amazing, amazing uh, YouTube channel that you should check out. It's called Revival Radio TV, Revival Radio TV. And they go through, and they go through all these different revivals. And, and I've already been, like, the reason I searched it was because I've been feeling all this stuff inside of me. And then I'm, I'm laid out on the couch, and I said, I just want to watch good things while I'm laid out and, like, falling asleep and waking up and taking all this medicine and stuff. So I was just watching historical context of revival, 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 the Welsh revival, the Azusa Street revival, the, the, all these different revivals. And every single one, there was individuals in that generation who stepped up and said, I'm no longer going to live as the world is living. I'm going to set myself apart for God. And in that, he moved on them. And in that, he moved in their community. And in that, it sparked revival. It's where our prayer today about those who are lost in every single one of those revivals, groves of people were coming to know the Lord. It's beautiful. Do you guys see it with me? Can you guys see with the eyes of your spirit into the future of what God wants to bring? But 2020 is a year of holiness. 2020 is a year of us sanctifying and being set aside for God. And I see it in the students. 
And I apologize, I can't speak of many of you guys. I can speak of the other young men that I sit down and mentor and, and walk with, and we get to encourage each other, and I see it in them as well. But the, the young adults that I'm working with, the young adults that I'm partnering with, the young adults that are partnering with me, the young adults that are partnering with Rez, the young adults that are partnering with the church, the church universal, I'm seeing it in them to where they're going, I'm done with the old life. It no longer has sweet taste. I want to live in a completely different way. In a completely different way. This month we're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer all over the place. We're praying as a church. How many of you guys are, are familiar? Obviously we just did the 7 at 7 tonight. But how many of you guys are familiar with the Pray First initiative that we're doing here at Res Life? Okay, there's a lot of hands that aren't up. I'm going to inform you on that tonight. I'm going to give you an invite at the end of the evening to join us uh, for multiple different things that we have going on. And I, and I hope that you will. There's something I, I was sharing with the students, and I apologize. I'm not, <laughs> uh, I was sharing with the students. Our generation is such a unique generation. We have so much at our fingertips. We have YouTube that will teach us literally everything. If I wanted to learn like quantum physics, I don't even know what that is, but I can learn it because I got YouTube. <laughs> Some of you guys are looking at me like, okay. But the, the issue that comes with that, and I know we, we I don't know, speakers tend to get really down on social media. I'm all for social media. Trust me, I, I love social media. It's an amazing platform that I've seen God move on. But at the same time, there's been weaknesses that have been instilled into our generation to where our generation is initiative. Like, we're initiators, which sounds like that should be a strength. The issue is we're initiating on things that the last generation have already been doing and that we should be partnering with. All throughout scripture, you see where people apprenticed under other people, Elisha apprenticed under Elijah, and then the mantle of Elijah gets passed down to him. It wouldn't have happened if Elisha in his generation wouldn't have, parted, wouldn't have partnered with Elijah in his generation. Same thing with Jesus walking with the disciples, and he gets to the end of his ministry. He's about to go up to the Father, and he says, you're going to go do greater things than I'm going to do. The mantle, once again, was being handed down onto the next generation to rise up. And I believe that that's truly supposed to be the prophetic declaration of every generation, that they find the generation next that will partner with them so then they can hand over the mantle, and then that generation doesn't have to restart the wheel. Does this make sense? So I encourage you, when I give the, the call at the end for the, the prayer time that the church is doing, the different ministry efforts that we have going on here at Res, this isn't a call for Res. If, you have a, like if you're here visiting and you have a home church, I encourage you to find what's going on in your church with the last generation and partner with them because they have so much to teach you on. You're not as smart as you think you are. Neither am I. I'm, I'm here with you, okay? I'm not firing darts. I'm just saying we're pretty ignorant. We don't know what we don't know, you know? <laughs> mm. Seriously, that's 2020, guys. Are you with me? Are you with me? 
If, if you're with me, I want you to stand up. I want to pray real quick, and then I'm going to jump into my actual notes. I'm going to pray real quick, if you can stand, um, and, and just hold your arms out in a, a posture of receiving. Oh, literally, guys, we're going to think back on tonight, January 9th, 2020. They honestly, honestly, honestly believe that God is doing something incredible in here tonight. And it's not through my yelling, it's through his Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. Father, I thank you for 2020, God. I thank you for each and every one of these young adults in here, God. Father, I pray that you would lay on their heart right now a fervency to chase after you. God, that the the ways of the world would no longer be pleasing to the sight, pleasing to the smell, pleasing to the taste, but, Father, that they would hunger for the bread that comes from heaven. They would thirst for your wine, your blood, your righteousness. Father, I pray that this year would be the year of seeking And if you would grant us the year of finding. Father, I pray for a a greater understanding of what the life of a disciple, what the life of a Christian, which is one and the same. There's no such thing as a non-discipled Christian. Father, I pray that you would just release that over every single individual in here, God. I pray that souls will be set on fire tonight, God. That they would hungrily chase after you, and God, that we could join arms, not just here in this room, but across the generational divide, and we could join arms and give you a platform for your kingdom to come and be on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, God. If you receive that, I just want you to say it out loud right now. God, I receive that. Papa, I receive that. Father, I receive that. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, set me aside. Set me apart. The world is no longer enticing. Satan, you have no grip on me. Get out. Holy Spirit, come. And have your way in my heart. Give me desire to chase after you. Give me a hunger that only you can satisfy. A thirst that only you can satisfy. And if you believe that, and if you really truly mean that, then I want you to cry out, Amen. Amen. Let it be done. Yes, God. You guys can take a seat. Thank you for running with me. Discipleship is, is literally, it's like what I think about all the time. And it's, it's not just for the program. It, we actually have the program because discipleship has been burning on my heart and the, the heart of leaders here at Res for so long. Our, our mission statement here at Res is win souls and make disciples. It's not win souls and make Christians. Because we know that there's a, a step that every Christian, every believer has to take. It's called the next step here. We just call it a, a next step. And, and hopefully tonight I'm going to give you uh, just some, some teaching. And no, I don't want to update my software. <laughs> <clears throat> I went the wrong way. I coughed into the mic. It made no sense. 
You guys doing all right? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I think we should just remove the, the countdown because I think I'd go for all night. Just kidding, Jake. I'm just kidding. I won't. I promise. <laughs> okay, how far did we get? Pray. Yep. All right. I got the rest of the notes to go through. How many of you guys have, have tried in the past, again, we're talking about prayer. How many of you guys have tried in the past to, to go, I'm going to get my prayer life under control. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going I'm to do this thing. And you don't have to raise your hand because then and it's going, how many of us have tried and then we fall asleep and then we get discouraged and then we tried and then we fall asleep and we get discouraged and then we go, I'm just going to pray at night. And then we fall asleep, and then we get discouraged. <laughs> Again, like, I said you won't raise your hand, but if you nod your head at me, has anybody else experienced that? Yes. Anna and I is nodding her head real hard. <laughs> I, I, for the longest time, you could ask my wife on, on all these things that I'm about to share tonight, uh, for the longest time, I was a, what you would call a night owl, Right? And I just thought that's how God designed me. I was like, you know what? I always go to bed at like 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. I'm probably made, like God probably made me for California or something. And I'm just in the wrong time zone. And, and I'm just going to move at my own pace. And, and as a creative, right, uh, doing photo work and, and design work. And I was just up late in the evening just working on stuff. And, and I enjoyed it. But uh, it was never conducive for uh, a really, really, like, I don't know if this even sounds biblical, a really good <laughs> prayer life, right? Not that there's, there is levels, actually. There is levels. The, the result of prayer in the kingdom should be answers to prayer. For some people, that's a shocker. I grew up in an environment where prayer was something that you did to hopefully make people feel better. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. And then I actually didn't. Or if I did, it was like, there, you feel better? Now, now you can go till the next prayer. And I'm, I'm not trying to be facetious. This is literally the environment that I, I grew up in was, was just like, I didn't hold a lot of weight in prayer. And I, I remember the day that somebody came up to me and I was, I was operating as a um, uh, as an actor in the 99, if you guys remember this years ago, and I was playing Jesus because the long hair, and they just take any white guy with long hair and make him Jesus. And, and I was carrying the cross, and one of my things was I had to drop, in, and every time I dropped, the cross would hit my shoulder. And then I also, uh, the next night, played the, the dad that died in the car accident. If you guys walk, went through it, you could probably remember that. Like, it. it it's talking about drunk driving and all these different things. And, and my whole thing was, my whole skit was I had to, to act like I was trying to get out of the car and then die on the, the door frame. So my ribs were just like crazy bruised. And, and I'm sitting here with crazy bruised ribs, crazy bruised arm, and I'm sitting there eating my like granola bar that they give you on break. And I'm just like in agony. And, and, the guy that was running the, the Jesus room that I was just got done acting in um, comes up to me and he goes, what's going on? Because I'm like, you know, what's that called? Squinting, squinching? I don't know. Quincing. Wincing. Wincing. All the above. Hey, 
Sometimes, I told my students this, sometimes kingdom words just aren't invented yet, so I got to invent them, you know? Um, anyway, so he comes up to me and, and goes, what's going on? I'm telling him, like, all the pain that I'm in. He's like, can I pray for you? And I'm thinking, great, this is, like, to get me through, you know? Yeah, yeah, you can pray for me. And he lays his hand on my shoulder, and I'm like, I didn't say you could pray now. <laughs> And all of a sudden, he starts praying, and, and next thing I know, he goes, check your arm. Check my arm for what? <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> He's like, is there any pain? I was like, well, I didn't think about that. And there, I go like this, and there's no pain. And I go like this, and there's still a little bit of pain here. I was like, oh, this is gone. This is still, eh, but it's nothing like what it was. Oh, I was also having an allergic reaction to the latex because I had all the, the stripes, you know, on my back and everything. So I had to look. And then I was having just this crazy allergic reaction. And that goes away. He prays again. The pain goes away here. And it was the first time that I'd ever seen and heard that people actually believed that God answered prayers. And this should be the life that we're moving in, the life that we're walking in. But, but answered prayers... Mm. There's kind of a weird paradox here, okay? Answered prayers do not rely on us. They rely on the faithfulness of God, but they do rely on us because we're there to partner with him. Does this make sense? And, and answered prayers in a lifestyle of, of just radical kingdom influence looks different than what we've always known. And it actually requires us to make changes in our life. And, and there's... there's Times in scripture to where the disciples come up and, and the demons had been fleeing from the, the people that were being oppressed and possessed and at the, the mention of the name of Jesus. But then the, the disciples come up to Jesus and go, we can't get this one out. And Jesus comes up, casts the demon out. They go, why didn't, it, why didn't it listen to us? And he goes, this is the kind that comes through praying and fasting. Well, they were just there praying. But he's saying there's a lifestyle that we step into that prepares, again, the platform for the kingdom to come on. Does this make sense? We're not talking about works right now. We are talking about effort on our part. We're not talking about earning. We're talking about effort. Okay? Does this make sense? I want to... I'm going to do a couple things here. We're going to run through this part. I'm going to give you a case for why I have come to believe, because I, I used to listen to, to pastors that would sit down and tell me about their morning prayer life and, and tell me about the, the different ways that they operated within the morning with the Lord. And, and I did. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I thought it was kind of a holier-than-thou type thing to say. You're going to tell us what? You, you read through the Bible how many times a year? Okay. And really, it was just because I wasn't reading through the Bible. And, and I was really just feeling a lot of, well, oh, that confronts me because I'm not doing any of that. And then they would say, oh, I wake up at, at three o'clock in the morning. I wake up at five o'clock in the morning. Back then, it was like, a, if you were to tell me you woke up at nine o'clock in the morning, I'd be like, <laughs> Wow. You are a saint. <laughs> there's, 
there's six reasons I want to give you for, for I'm going to build a case here for, for morning prayer. And you can hear this in that way, and, and that's fine. I, I don't mind. Um, but you could also hear it in a way that hopefully this will, will encourage you and give you a model that, that we see through Scripture, that we see through the saints of past, and that, that in people that I have watched the kingdom move in, in heavy, heavy ways, who have built a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, who have built a lifestyle that has a platform of integrity, accountability, faithfulness, righteousness, that have been established on their life for the kingdom to come down, and when they pray, God moves. Moves, that's the kind of thing that humbled me. And I started going, maybe there's something to this. And about eight months ago, it started transforming my life. Started transforming my life. Started transforming my life. I just want to say that over and over because you can hear this and go, oh, it's another one of those holier than thou trying to get us to, to step into super saint status. Or... You can hear it as an invitation of going, this is going to look maybe different in your life. But at the same time, there's historical proof that a life set aside like this partners with the Lord in such a beautiful way. Six reasons, the case for a morning prayer. Number one is it honors the Lord with the first fruits of your energy. There's a, a biblical reality uh, about tithing, and we're, we're talking specifically about you know the money that you just put into the bucket that got passed around your table. Um, I remember hearing this from Robert Morris years ago, and it, it completely radically changed the way that I thought about tithing. Obviously, this isn't necessarily a message on tithing, but the principle will transfer. Is when I give the ten percent of my tithe, when if I have a hundred dollars to my name and I give ten percent, the the ten percent actually blesses. The 90%. And you, you've probably heard testimony after testimony after testimony of going, somehow the 90% went further than the 100% should have gone. Have you guys heard those types of testimonies before? It's because it's a biblical reality. God tells us about it over and over and over in Scripture. He also tells us about how Jesus was the first fruits. He was the elder brother, the first fruits of mankind that brought salvation in for the rest of mankind. First fruit seems to be something very, very supernatural about it that redeems the rest of the fruits. So waking up in the morning and giving the first fruits of our energy levels to the Lord redeems the rest of the day. Can you guys get on board with that? I think it's all over Scripture. I give him my first part of the day, and all of a sudden the rest of the day, does that mean I'm not going to screw up? No. But it means that the rest of the day has been partnered with the Lord just the same. Because we're not called to give him just the first fruits. We're called to give him all the fruits. But he's only requiring the first fruits specifically for a set-aside purpose, a sanctified purpose. Then the rest fall into alignment. It's why Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things that you're worrying about will be given to you. Make sense? The second point 
kind of goes with the first point. I kind of rolled it over. It seeks first and sets sail for the rest of our day. I used to go sailing, and I, I just loved the, the terminology. I took that from A.W. Tozer. He, he started talking about the, the sail of your life and how the, the prayer of the morning, the searching out of Scripture in the morning, and all these different things trims the sail. It, it makes it to Actually, Pastor Clark in the back is, is a sailor, so you can talk to him about this afterwards. But trims the sail and gives, gives this perfect, what's called luft, you know, like it, it goes from flapping to just that conal shape, and all of a sudden your boat starts picking up speed, and you're going, I, I lived out in Virginia and had this little harbor that we, we would go, and, and there was a specific leg that we could get that sail nice and trimmed and set, and all of a sudden we're cruising, which cruising on a sailboat isn't really cruising, you know, like, but it's fun. And uh, we were also the fastest boat in the fleet, yep. Um, there's a little micro dab for all my students. Anyway, you guys are like, okay, now everything else you say today, I cannot take seriously. <laughs> number three, number three, you fill up with God to pour out on others. You fill up with God to pour out on others. We've talked about it time and time and time in different series in the past on how every single one of us has desires we have needs, we have all these things in our life that we, we tend to start reaching out and trying to search from everybody else and in, in trying to get our fill on, and everyone else is going to let us down because no one else has the perfection and the fullness to be able to fill us in the way that we were designed to need to be filled. And if we're only seeking in the evening, then we're going through our day empty and trying to get filled in the evening and then pouring out overnight. I don't know if that's scriptural, but <laughs> it sounded really good. The, the part about being filled up in the morning to pour out on others, I can guarantee you that's scriptural. Going into our, our time with the Lord to just feast upon his presence, to feast upon his beauty, his glory, his magnificence, his majesty, all these different things that we could feast upon. All of a sudden, I walk away from my morning prayer just filled And that's not just for ministers. That's for all of us. Because we're all ministers. We're a royal priesthood. It fills us with God first thing in the morning. Number, what number am I on? Four. It's more rewarding to prevent than to clean up. <laughs> when I pray in the evening, and that was my only prayer, it was sometimes pretty difficult to go into prayer because of whatever I did earlier. I said that word that I, I knew I shouldn't have said. I cut the guy off. I flipped him off on the road. I'm just being real. I had those days. And all of a sudden, now at the end of the day, I'm cleaning up the mess before the Lord and going, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. Versus going in, in first thing in the morning, do I still sin throughout the day? Yes. But at the same time, being filled up with the Lord, now I'm plugged into his word. I've filled myself with his word. I've written his word on the depths of my heart. So then when I go in and somebody says something to me and my initial urge is to go, you know what? I catch it because I spent that time with the Lord and he's trained me. He's equipped me. He's quickened my spirit and he has helped me to mortify the flesh which means to crucify, to kill, to bury, to put away the fleshly nature. 
Does that make sense? Is this hopefully shifting some things for you, giving you a different perspective on why morning prayer and the entire message isn't about why morning prayer is the big thing to do? Because I'm, I'm going to clue you in. I'm going to tell you to pray in the evening as well. I'm actually going to tell you to pray all the time. Paul says, pray without ceasing. And he actually tells us in 1 Thessalonians that that's the will of God, among other things that he lists off there. But that's one of the things. Pray without ceasing. That's the will of God. That's what God delights in. That's what God's heart is about, is to pray without ceasing. But to pray without ceasing, we need to pray in the morning. And for our generation, sometimes it's a little bit difficult to work in. So I'm hopefully giving you some ideas on why you'd want to do it. Number wherever we're at. It's a biblical, yes, it's a biblical model of seeking there's uh, plenty of places. I just wrote down three scriptures that we have up there um, to where David in Psalm 5, 3 says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I plead my case to you and watch. He watches out for the Lord. He prays his case. He pleads his case. Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your words. David again. And then Mark 135, we're talking about Jesus now. It says, in the morning, while it was still very dark. For a while, I didn't even know it was dark in the morning. I'm just kidding. But seriously. <laughs> I didn't see that part of the morning for a while back then. He got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. Deserted place means just a set-aside place. It's not, I, I for the longest time pictured desert, and then I was reading a, a study, and it was like, yeah, no, it's not necessarily a desert. It's just kind of a place set aside. It's like, oh. Anyway. Uh, and then lastly, in this part, is it's time-tested by saints of history. I've heard all sorts of different, I, I couldn't remember all the stories that I had heard, but a couple that I really enjoy is, I, I, you guys ever heard of St. Francis of Assisi? Yeah. Man, power. St. Francis of Assisi, you guys ever heard of that? You guys ever hear the, um, you know, go forth, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words? That came from St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, incredible guy. It has amazing, amazing teachings. Um, it, there's plenty of stories to where he would wake up early in the morning to go out and, and pray and walk, and then as the sun would rise, he would preach to the, the birds and the squirrels and the deer. <laughs> he literally was just like, he was on the road just preaching to everything, but he would get up early and go out and walk in the morning. John Wesley, you guys are familiar with John Wesley. Uh, Charles Wesley has written some of the, the most profound hymns. John Wesley would get up at 4 a.m., to pray for the first four hours of his day. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm not saying you have to do that, but that's amazing. Pastor Dwayne, our pastor here, gets up at 4 a.m., prays, reads scripture, swims, does all sorts of, like, that man's amazing, absolutely incredible, and it's no wonder the way that God moves through him because he's built a life that has a platform for God to move. These make sense? Okay. Uh, evening prayer scriptures, I just, uh, let's throw those up there. I'm going to run through these real quick. My eyes are awake before each watch of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Psalm 119, uh, that comes after the part where he talks about how he go, he's going to wake up in the, the dawn and cry for help. Um, 
Luke 6.12 says, Now during those days he went out to the mountain to pray, speaking of Jesus again, and he spent the night in prayer to God. Spent the night. Then he comes down and he selects the disciples. Uh, Matthew 14, And he had dismissed the crowds. He went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And, and I choose da- or, uh, uh, David and, and Jesus because David was called the man after God's own heart and Jesus was the perfect picture of the life that we're supposed to live. We don't simply, yes, we, we revere Jesus. He is Lord, but he also came as man to show us the life that he's calling us into. The lifestyle of, of apprenticing under the Father, of discipling under and, and walking with and, and setting ourselves aside to be able to live the life that he lived. Sorry. Oh, gosh. Six tips. I, I may not, I was going to go through our Father. Yes. Lord's Prayer. I was going to break down a couple things. Uh, I might give a couple quick blips at the end, um, but I really want to give you guys these tools. Is this helping you guys? Yeah. Is this like, are you going, hey, morning prayer is actually starting to sound like something I, I would like to add into my, my thing, my day. Yeah, my thing, whatever that is. <laughs> We're just falling apart at this point. Holy Spirit, come, fill me fresh and new. I need, I need you. Six tips for working the habit of daily prayer into your life. I want to give you just nuts and bolts, okay? There's nothing specifically special about these. I've, I've researched these. These have helped me. There's, there's a difference. Uh, let's go into the first one because th- uh, this will actually help me set up. It says, weigh your desires. We, we tend to go into to trying to schedule off these times of prayer because we know that we should. But knowledge alone does not actually set us up for a win. Because if I don't have desire in the depths of my heart to partner with that knowledge, I won't actually take the action that I know that I'm supposed to take. So we need to, we need to assess our desires because for, for many of us, for myself, I'll speak of myself for, for plenty of time in the past, my desire for sleep outweighed my desire to seek the Lord. Would I say that if somebody were to come up to me and say, what do you desire more, seek the Lord or an extra 10 minutes of sleep? I'd say the Lord, obviously. (laughs) But my, my life said sleep, obviously. We need to gauge our desires. We need to bring our desires before the Lord and go, God, why is it that I I choose sleep? What is it that I'm, and I'm going to give us some, some tips here to help us set it up to where it makes it easier to wake up. Uh, but, but we need to check our desires. And, and maybe the first prayer we need to pray is, God, help me to desire you more. Give me a picture of who you are that will help me desire you more. Give me a picture of your beauty, of your glory. Have you ever asked God for a picture of his glory? Like Moses going up to the mountainside and saying, God, show me your glory. God hides him in the cleft of the rock, passes in front of him. He only gets to see the the trailing side of the glory, and it wrecked his life. He came down shining and bright and brilliant, and and people were scared because of the glory encounter that he had. when when, When Moses seen the glory of God, 
who knows that that next morning jumped out of bed, right? I would have jumped out of bed. You see the glory of God like that, you come down and you're starting to scare people. I, I, like, I just, that would be the life, you know? Ask God to show you, God, give me a glimpse of your glory that I might desire to chase it down in the morning. And then I would desire to chase it down in the evening. Again, we're not just talking about the morning, but I'm trying to help you win your morning. Because if you win your morning, you win your day. Okay? First fruits sanctify the rest. I'm trying to help you to win your morning. Second, set your schedule. Schedule it on your calendar. If it's, if it's a priority in your life, it will be on your calendar. And if you don't have it on your calendar of I'm going to get up at this time or I'm going to spend this time in the evening, I'm going to spend this time in the morning, right now we're doing the 7 at 7. Hopefully, right now on your calendar is at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. You have it set to where you could tune in. If you don't know, you could tune in live stream either on Facebook for Res Life or on reslife.org. And, and for the seven minutes at the beginning of that hour, you could partner with 450 other people at the church that, that are constantly tuning into this as well. Not everybody at the church is, but hey, let's get the 180 of us in here to join in so then we can make it 580 next week. Uh, anyway, uh, join in at that time. Schedule it on your calendar. It's an easy way to build a habit into your life of making daily prayer scheduled act on your calendar. Even when our desires are set on the Lord, there's still the reality that we have to subdue the flesh. We have to train the flesh. Paul constantly talks through the language of training. He constantly, if you read through Paul's letters, he's always talking about you know, running the race, pressing forward towards the goal. He's using very athletic language, and he's constantly talking to us about training, about training, about training, about equipping, that we would have to put off the old nature. It doesn't just fall off. This kind of thing, a morning prayer schedule, prayer, a life of prayer, a life of fasting doesn't accidentally happen. It's not like, oh, I accidentally fasted today. I have had a couple of those days where you're just like cruising and you're like, I haven't eaten anything. Hey, I was fasting. No, no. You didn't accidentally fast. There's intentionality with it. It has to come with intentionality. There's something to putting off the, the flesh. So with our, our schedule, if I go, I'm going to wake up in the morning or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this time in the evening, I can't just say, I'm going to do it. I have to actually put things in place to train myself to put off the old habits. There's still habitual desires in my life that I've, up until this point, I've slept up until this point. And I'm going to go, I'm going to wake up tomorrow at 5 a.m. Well, up until this point, you haven't. Chances are that you're going to do it consistently over the next couple of days is slim because you're training yourself. You're putting off the old nature and you're taking on the new nature. Okay, they, hopefully these are very practical stuff. It, can I get a hand if you're, if you're like receiving this? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to preach to the hands. Hmm. We must replace these habits with intentionality and intentional habits. Next is win the evening to win the morning. 
You're going to have to reset your bedtime to reset your wake time. Some of you guys are like, aha! <laughs> I had never considered that. I still went to bed at 3 o'clock and was trying to get up at 5. I've been there. couple things to help you to win the evening, to win the morning. These are very practical things. If you're taking notes, I highly, highly suggest that you write these down. These are medically proven. They're, they're you know, statistically proven. They're all sorts of proven. They're Nick proven. That's the most important one. Limit screen time an hour to an hour and a half before you go to bed. There's, if you don't know this, hopefully it's common knowledge by now, but if you don't know this, these little devices in our pocket emit blue light that ends up tricking our brains to make us think that it's daylight. Same thing with your TV, same thing with your computer. Even if you have flux and different things like that, there's still stuff that's getting through and tricking your mind to where now your, mind, or now your body is not actually producing the melatonin that it needs to be able to go to sleep. And then you have to take these pills called melatonin pills, which actually train your body to not produce it even more. And, and then you're on a rhythm that's actually destroying your sleep pattern so that way you can't actually wake up in the morning. But if you just remove this from your sight... For an hour, and I, I, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you guys need to hear this. You're not going to die, okay? My, my niece, I'm pretty sure, has had her, like, tablet or phone tethered to her hand since birth, and it scares me. And I'm like, you're not going to die. She was over for Christmas, and, and we were talking to her, and she, we weren't letting her play with her tablet, and she looks at Emily while, while Emily's talking, and she goes, I'm bored. <laughs> Uh, if you were here for our Powerful People series, I Powerful Peopled her so hard. Oh, I was like, what is that supposed to say to Aunt Emily, right? No, anyway, it's, it's important that we understand that we're not going to die when this isn't in our hand, right? So you put it away and pick up a book. I can make a suggestion, but pick up a book, you know, whatever, pick up a book. And you'll start, to, you'll start to realize, even especially like if you don't read the Bible, like the Old Testament quite a bit, like yeah. it could sometimes put you to sleep. So it might help. Uh, <laughs> eventually, it's going to start waking you up, you know, but, but at first you work with what you got. And if I'm honest, you know, bring out King James. Anyway. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. This is, I've, I've passed the anointing and the anointing has just fallen off and now it's just Nick. You only get Nick. Let me finish these. I, I want to close this out to be able to give you these tools. Um, jot down your dominant thoughts. Oh, no social media before bed. Some, some of us sit in bed and we're just scrolling. And, and the thing that you implant into your mind before you go to bed is actually the thing that tends to trigger in your mind when you wake up. So no wonder you would reach for this first versus something else because you've trained yourself. The last thing you put in is the first thing that's going to come out in the morning. So if you want to start moving through and setting yourself aside, and, and I, I'm just going to be honest here, and I'm not trying to step on toes, but at the same time, it's part of my job to challenge. Some of you guys stood up with me at the beginning. In fact, I think all of us were here going, yes, I want that to be me at the beginning. And then some of you guys have started to fall off halfway through because you go, mm, I don't necessarily know if I want to set myself aside like that. Throw that out there. Jot down your dominant thoughts. 
that are plaguing your sleep to give you space or to give them space to live outside your head. So what does this mean? It means when you're sitting there in bed and you're staring at your ceiling and those thoughts are constantly going through your head, I shouldn't have said that, I should have said that, I should have prayed about this or this or this or this and this and this. And then, oh, I, I, left, the, I left the key on the counter and I'm probably going to forget it in the morning. Leave a, a notepad next to your bed and just write it down. You're thinking about it over and over because you're going, I'm trying to not forget it. Well, put it down so then you don't forget it. And now it has a place to live outside your brain and it frees up your brain to be able to sleep. As best as you can, refrain from taking sleep aids. Like I said, melatonin pills start to cut your melatonin production and it starts to make a rhythm that you're going to end up fighting against in the long run. As best as you can. Doctor prescribed, hey, go for it. But what I'm saying is there's, there's some times where you're going to have to fight through the sleep patterns and you're going to have to have a couple sleepy days to get yourself back on track. Spend your last time awake reflecting on the goodness of God. One of the things that, that I love doing is I go through the fruits of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I may have missed one in there. Um, but I, I go through those, and I, I go through a breathing exercise to where I, I breathe in that, that fruit of the Spirit, love. And then I breathe out whatever comes to mind that is opposite of that. And it, it sounds kind of new agey, but at the same time, I'm just focusing on the fruits of the Spirit. I'm just focusing on the goodness of God. And it's, it's so peaceful. And it just creates this atmosphere of a bubble that I'm just laying in. And next thing I know, I'm out. Try it. Give it a shot. I'm not saying that that's an absolute for everyone, but give it a shot. Give these things a go. If they work for you, fantastic. If they don't, then search something out that does and start getting ahead of your schedule versus having to chase your schedule down because you didn't set it up to serve the Lord in the way that you wanted to. Okay. I said the last one was win the evening to win the morning. Now I'm going to say win the day to win the evening to win the morning. <laughs> Limit your caffeine intake. Eight months ago, or actually not quite eight months ago, about six months ago, I, I cut down. I love coffee. If you guys have been here for a long time, you know I rant and rave about coffee. I cut down to one coffee a day because I realized part of my laying awake at night was because I was over-caffeinated. And I actually did a, a fast from caffeine for a while, reset my system, and then I use it in the morning, and it helps me to, to kind of wake up because I, I am trying to push my schedule further and further and, and, and actually have a large portion of my morning that I get to spend time in communing with the Lord. So limit your caffeine intake. Get a regular eating schedule. It's, it's incredible what that does to actually set your day and to set your night and then to help you wake up in the morning. Limit your social media intake throughout the day. It'll be easier to not go onto social media in the evening if you weren't on it as much throughout the day. Make amends with people swiftly. Go back to our Powerful People series and learn how to actually handle conflict well so that way you're not sleeping or laying in bed thinking about the conflict that was going on in your life. Become a powerful person. You can actually handle it, make amends, apologize for things, seek forgiveness for things, and all of a sudden... You have a clear conscience in the evening that sets you up to be able to dive in in the morning. Are these good? Choose the right place in the morning. You don't want to, don't do this on the bed. You're going to fall asleep. 
There's a guy named Jerry Savelle who uh, was talking about how he was trying to pray on his bed in the morning and he would pass out constantly. And then he was trying to pray at his, his desk and would pass out. So the only place that he could find that he wouldn't pass out in the morning was at the edge of the bathtub and shower. And he would sit there on the edge reading his Bible, realizing that if he did fall asleep, he'd probably fall and break his neck. And it helped him to stay awake. So find the right place. Next is track your progress. This isn't a legalistic thing. It's not a righteousness thing. It's not going, oh, look at me. I have prayed my prayers for this long. It's just going as you're building a habit and as you're establishing something in your life, it helps to be able to have something to see the progress that you've made it on because it's encouraging. It's encouraging. I love the streaks on the Bible app because I get encouraged, not for a self-righteousness. It doesn't make me any better of a Christian. But at the same time, on those mornings that I'm going, you know, I, I don't necessarily, I'm going, I'm not going to lose this streak. And, and if that's the thing that gets me out of bed to spend time with the Lord, then so be it. At least I'm going in to spend time with the Lord. And that pop means that my time is up. <laughs> Heavenly Father God, Father, like I said at the beginning, I, I pray that all my words would just fall aside and that anything that you wanted to deposit into these hearts, that would be the thing that would stick. Father, my, my heart and our heart here throughout this entire month, throughout our entire year, this is a year that we're focusing on prayer, is that, Father, we would be a people that would establish in our life a lifestyle that would be chasing after you. It's not just about a schedule. It's not, it's not about a schedule at all. It's actually about our time with you, our intimacy with you, receiving from you, plugging into you, having faith in you, so that way when we partner with you, things happen. Because God, we want to see your kingdom come. Father, we love you. We love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.